Now I'm still looking at my vision. For thou art with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are y'all are y'all following that? So I'm not, I'm no longer looking at my distraction. I'm no longer studying how do I get over this. I'm no longer looking at it saying, how do I get around this? I'm no longer looking at saying, do I deserve more? No, no, no. When I look, when I look at vision, I know I deserve more. When I look at vision, I know I'm greater than this. When I look at vision, you, you hear me? So I don't have to watch the steps I take. The vision tells me, lift your foot. All y'all don't hear what I see. As long as I can see. All right, welcome back to the Backpack Preacher <laughs> with Christian Winners. I am not Christian Winners. I'm Narisha Liggins, and I have the honor of digging into Christian Winners' life as we kind of explore who he is and what has shaped the man that we all know as Bishop, but also Christian. He's probably going to kick me under this table for saying that. But I wanted to kind of just dive in, and, and he's lived one of the most fascinating lives I've ever met, of anyone I've ever met. So in our first episode, we got the opportunity to dig into his childhood, who his parents were and are and, and, and who he has been, you know, as a kid and, and what kind of shaped some of the experiences that he's had. This episode, we're going to, we're going to take it up a little bit. We're going to talk about your teenage life and talk about who you were as an, as an adolescent Christian winters. Talk to me about what your perspective was at a teenage, as a teenage boy. Um, I, I was a kid, normal kid. I, you know, just, like I said, the, before the uh, the sleepovers and the video games all night and yeah. the eyes bleeding and you know, yeah. um, from staying up and it was that. It was that. When I became a preacher, I never stopped being who I was. Preacher, mm -hmm. being a preacher for me when I found out that I was a preacher was that was just something I did. Mm -hmm. That's what I did. I went and did that, and I came back home to be a high school kid play with my friends and chase girls around the high school so you didn't really feel like you had to give up anything to be this preacher teacher. no because i didn't know you were supposed to do that yeah. i just thought that okay god god makes me talk to people so mm -hmm. when god wants me to talk to people i'll go talk to them but then mm -hmm. i'll just be me mm -hmm. i didn't know i had to be anything but me That's i didn't beautiful. know that so going into college what did you study um philosophy Philosophy. <laughs> now that is definitely someone who doesn't want to be here. If you catch the first episode, he talks about hey, he went to college for his mom. Yeah, I went to college for my mom. I yeah. absolutely, I didn't. Yeah, I, I figured that's pretty decent to think. I never thought about it. Why did I do philosophy? I think I did philosophy because I do like thought. You do. I yeah. do like thought about everything. So it was like, well, I might as well do philosophy. And then I did it, and all the books were this big, and I was like, well, I hate reading, so. What? But then I learned how to find two or three points in 700 pages, mm -hmm. which taught me how to cut through everything and get straight to truth. And I think that has developed my ministry. That is who you are. Yeah. That is someone who's able to take the complex things and simplify it, take out all the bull, simplify it and say, this is all we really need to talk about right here. Yeah. And I think so. philosophy did that because yeah. philosophers only make one point in, in 900 pages, but it's really one point. You got to yeah. find it. So that was your major. What did you minor in? Um, I was supposed to be a high school teacher. I was secondary education. So I was I did philosophy and uh, secondary education so I could teach philosophy, history, anything else in high school. I was supposed to be a high school teacher. Okay. I got I, I got a, a job offer to be one. Oh. $95,000 a year to start at 21 years old. What? Yep. 
Wow. Mm-hmm. And I said, absolutely not. <laughs> so talk to me about your time at Westchester. I had a ball. You had a ball. Regular I, college kid. Well, no, that part wasn't regular. Okay. That part was ministry. Tell college was it. ministry. College wasn't fun. Wasn't When I say fun, I mean, it wasn't the parties and all that. I, I don't like being around a lot of people to, to love parties anyway. But the, the the relationships, the sitting in somebody's room till two or three in the morning, talking to them about life, um, talking to a kid whose mom made them do pre-med, but they really just wanted to draw. And I would find myself in these dorm rooms till two or three in the morning after Bible study. I was going to go back home to Jersey where I lived and I would stay up there and minister to people in dorm rooms all night about life stuff. Like my mom wants me to be a doctor. She wants me to be a dentist and my dad wants me to be this. And I just really want to do phys ed. And I would talk to those people into changing their majors, telling them their purpose would be on their parents. But I was just conversing with friends. Yeah. It wasn't like this is, I didn't know what the hell I was talking about. Yeah, I'm yeah. just like, Oh, that don't make sense. Let me help you out. That's so cool. Cause you were pastoring them without understanding that that's what you were doing. Or just being their friend. You were just being their friend yeah. and, and helping them make, wise decisions with the obstacles they were presenting. Uh, yeah, you were pastoring them. So it reminds me of kind of like a karate kid situation. Maybe God was taking you through a wax on, wax off. That's it. And you didn't even realize what you were being trained yep. and groomed for. Yeah. Yeah. So talk about ministry in college. I know you. That, that's one aspect of it. What else happened? The ministry part or just other stuff? Uh, the other stuff, whatever. Oh, so I had a girlfriend, right? Okay. My first girlfriend ever. Yeah. And high in college. college. I met her before I went there and I was working at like a a, a knockoff Boston market. And um, so she hired her. She was like the most beautiful girl in the world. (laughs) I'm stuck off at the McDowell's. (laughs) Yeah, it was definitely a McDowell's Boston market, like a Boston carpet or something like it was crazy. But it was good. Not like I learned how to make these beautiful salads and stuff. And she would always come and watch me make these salads like, yo, why? Why are you making him so pretty? You a boy. And I would tell her about my mom and how my mom would make everything look pretty on a plate or in a bowl. And that's how we like start talking. And she would burn me with pots. I don't know. She would burn me like she would pull a pot out and like, Tss. and then she would like, mm, I love you. It was weird. <laughs> it was kids. And I thought she was the cutest thing ever. And then when she, when I found out she was going to her college, I was like, oh my God. So that was like the love of my life. I remember running from main hall across the campus to get to her room yeah. after class. Like she was just, yeah. And then I, so I, I loved her and I did ministry. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever happened with that relationship? <laughs> um, I'll say it like this. <laughs> <laughs> On one of our breaks, I think she, she thought that another guy would be great for her. Mm-hmm. And I just so happened to find out. Ah, gotcha. That somebody, someone told me, oh, yeah, on the break, uh, you know, I saw your girlfriend giving somebody else a kiss out Southwest Philly. And I was like, oh, for real? <laughs> and then, a- <laughs> yeah, but we never even argued or nothing. I was just like, we came back to school and I was like, hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was it. Would you call that your first heartbreak? No, I wasn't. I wasn't heartbroken because okay. we were at, we were on a date one time and, and I took her out and we, we, she, we were leaving a restaurant. She looked at herself in the mirror on the way out and she said, I'm so beautiful. And that was the day I knew that our relationship was going to be over. Mm. And it didn't end until two years after that, but I knew it was over. Because at that moment, I said, I can never be a wood, a woman that loves herself that much because mm-hmm. I don't love me that much. Mm-hmm. And when I say that, I don't mean in the depth of I right. need counseling. I mean, I wouldn't want to be with somebody. I, you know, I love people. Yeah. So somebody could look at themselves and just be like, I look like this. Like, let me do that. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. 
So you ended the last episode talking or alluding to some problems that may have arisen. Can we get into that? Um, for the uh, the campus ministry? You yeah. About? So, yeah, the campus ministry spread to um, different universities, LaSalle, Villanova, and we were we were working. I mean, we were going. We started going to Millersville and these places, teaching other people how to set up campus ministries. And I think in that moment in my life, I needed leadership mm-hmm. that would show me what I'm doing and what this is. Help me help me. I don't know. This is a bad. I'm just going to be say it. it may not be right or wrong, but religiously define it. Mm-hmm. Like help me religiously define what I'm doing here because we have three campuses. We have this and that. You know, now I know people call it church planting. Yeah. Then I just thought, hey, they must need it, too. Right. And if I but instead of having the, the leadership that would say this is what's going on, you don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Take this and do this. Then I, I, I would be on a different plane in life. Not better, but a different plane. Instead, I was drawn back to the only thing I knew, which was start a church. Because mm. you got this many people following you every week. Even though our Bible study is on Tuesday night and we despise Sundays. Mm-hmm. That inner church grip that I raised, that I was raised up in, without leadership to tell me there was something bigger than that, yeah. it was like, oh well, I guess I'm supposed to start a church. The problem is people applauded it because I already had over a hundred members to start. Yeah. So it was like, I'm like, oh, I guess I'm winning, but actually I was losing because I should have just took that and made it a movement and not well, brought some people in the bars of church. How old were you at that time? Twenty one. So, I mean, you can't fault yourself for doing what you felt natural to do at that time. No, I don't fault myself. Yeah, good. I, I'm, I, 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 I'm, I wish I had leadership that saw globally Yeah. instead of start a church. So let me ask you this then. Do you think that God was strategic in not giving you that leadership because he wanted to help shape what this is for you? I can see that now, but the journey, I went on a 21 year journey. I'm, I'm, I'm always really, I don't know, you know, cause we can say, uh, this bad thing happened. God was in it, justify it, make it good. I don't know if that's always the formula mm-hmm. to justify things that happen in your life. Some mm-hmm. stuff went wrong cause you made the wrong choice. Some st- stuff went wrong cause you didn't have the right leadership. Mm-hmm. It was just wrong. Mm-hmm. Now God can make it right. But don't mean it was supposed to be there. I don't believe I was supposed to go on a 21 journey, a 21 year journey as a pastor. I think God was able to do stuff in me. But that was a 21 year where I could have invested 21 years in having 75 campuses. Yeah. That that don't give out pizza, pretzels or nothing. Just somebody teaching the plain word of God and having college students come listen to it. I would have did that all over the country. I wouldn't have put my people on no chairs and boxes or band. I would have never done that. Yeah. Not to say it's not good, but it wasn't good for what I was supposed to right. do. Right, right. So at 21, where did stuff start to feel like out of place for you? It didn't. It didn't. So it still felt natural. Yeah, because I was, I was with people. I was loving people. I was helping people. Okay. See, I never, even pastoring was like, okay, well, I'm pastoring because these people follow me. But for me, it was like, let's just help as many people as we can. That's why my church was always giving stuff and doing mm-hmm. stuff and building stuff and helping poor. Because it was like, that's what this is about. It's never about this stuff that we're doing. When did the problems started coming in? What were they? 
the problems came in when people start loving that more than the, the adventure we were on. Mm. We were on an adventure from the time I was 17. We were on an adventure in college. You know what I mean? So we should have just stayed on the adventure. Why did we do this? Mm-hmm. Why did we do this? Why did we do It was great, though. Yeah. I mean, God... I mean, God healed people. I mean, amazing things happen. I don't despise those years. I'm just saying it could have been, we could have touched more people if we didn't go in that box. Mm -hmm. We just really could have touched a lot more people. And those people that were following me, they wouldn't have been my members. They would have been my equals. And I would have spread them out around the country. I would not have said, let's get together and now y'all members and I'm y'all leader. No, Mm -hmm. no. Mm -hmm. So going back to how you ended episode one, he said, that's when all the problems started. Yeah. The people fell in love with the system and they fell in love with me. Ah, and let's that, talk about that. They fell in love with me. It was like, that's our leader. Mm. They loved me. That, that's our guy. He hung out with us. He stayed in our dorm rooms with us till two and three. They helped us. He would shake our parents' hands. Parents would come to the campus and see the change in their child. Be my, This thing was, I became their hero. And that wasn't supposed to happen. Yeah. And, 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 and then I think it would have been a cool, we would have been able to deal with that if we stayed outside. Because I would have been able to show them how heroic they also were. Then we all could have been superheroes outside. Yeah. But once you go in that building and put a name of a church and the pastor's name is such and such, then it's no longer us. It's us and you. Us and the leader. Mm-hmm. The leader and us. And I became leader and us. And that's when it start being crappy for me because it was like, I want y'all to be dope. I don't want to y'all to look at me. Yeah. Would you say that when that relationship changed, the way that they viewed you, that it in some ways disabled their drive to go duplicate what you taught? Yes. It was dependence on me. Yeah. So if mom's sick, call pastor. Yeah. See, in college, it was like, yo, um, Christian taught us how to pray. Mm-hmm. So they was praying in dorm rooms. They started their own women's ministry, their own men's ministry. They were they were duplicating. But once we started the church, yes, Christians are guy. We need prayer. Go to Christian. We need this. Go to Christian. We need that. Go to Christian. And that's when it fell apart. So they went from being disciples and apostles to dependence to dependence. And we had great church, but it sucked to me. Yeah, because they weren't leading. And that wasn't your vision. Your vision was to be able to send people. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Then people should have been going, especially the people that had been with me since Westchester, mm-hmm. who were still with me when I was pastoring. Y'all should be monsters, monsters, pure monsters. Not, it shouldn't even be worried about me. Hmm. But it didn't happen. And once I realized that it was like, we love him, we need him, we got to have him. I start feeling that real itch like God was like, go, go now, it's over. It's mm-hmm. over. It was, a, it was a great experiment. It did what it's supposed to do. It's over now. It's over. And I was like, no, because I, I didn't see nothing else, yeah. you know, because that kind of process had stopped my adventure too, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so even though I knew there was more, it was like, well, I guess I got to do this because you ain't supposed to quit this, are you? Right. right? So I stayed and stayed and stayed. And eventually it was like, yeah. This is successful. This is wonderful. Quarter of a million dollar building paid off. And all this sucks. I resign. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Tell us the name of the church. Well, it was Chosen Generation Campus Ministries when Mm -hmm. it started. And then the parent. Okay. So we had church on campus at nine o'clock a.m. 
when we started Sundays, when I started pastoring, nine o'clock on Sundays, parents would come to the nine o'clock service. Mm -hmm. They started desiring their own church. They didn't want to drive 45 minutes to Westchester from Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. So they wanted their own church in Philadelphia. So that was my first church plant. I planted another church in Philadelphia. So I preached at nine o'clock in Philadelphia. I switched the times, nine o'clock in Philadelphia, 11 o'clock at Westchester. Mm -hmm. So I had those two churches and that's how all that happened. And then eventually... It went crazy. It went what wrong. age were you when you were pastoring or overseeing two churches? 21. And at this point, did you have leadership? Did you have a mentor, spiritual father? Yeah, Bishop Joseph Scott is my spiritual father. But I was moving fast at that time. I had his guidance. I had his leadership. But I was moving fast at that time. Yeah. See, the, the, the struggle was always this. I had a wonderful spiritual father. But he didn't start ministry at 14. Yeah. He didn't start ministry at 21. Mm -hmm. So the guidance he could give me was solid wisdom. But I had to see where it fit in this 21-year-old life, mm -hmm. on this 15-year-old life. Mm -hmm. So that in that, I had no guidance. Because who else was out there that was 15, 16, 17, 21 planting churches? Yeah. I, and it's not that I was this guy, I don't, I'm good, I know what I'm doing. I had no clue. But who was I supposed to ask? All the preachers and bishops, and they're all old guys and... Mm -hmm. Keep on pressing, son. Hmm. Okay, that's good advice. So you didn't you didn't have your dad to talk to about this? My dad wasn't no preacher. I ordained yeah. my dad. Yeah, talk about that. <laughs> well, I wouldn't let my mom, when I first started my church, I wouldn't let my mom and dad join because my mom was at Bishop Scott's church, and that's my spiritual father. She was really a blessing to him. So for to take her away from him, no. So I forced my mom, no, you're not coming with me. And then like three years in my pastoring, she came in my office on Sunday morning and she said, what did she, she call me Christian or pastor? Pastor. I'm now a member here. And that was it. And she became my member. She wasn't taking it no more. Yeah. And then my dad, of course, followed his wife. He was trying to, mm -hmm. he mm -hmm. followed his wife and then he was on the front row of my church. He was my, my elder. And were they members of another church before that? Bishop Scott's. Bishop Scott's church. Because they followed, when me and Janine got saved, they wondered, well, what's going on with our kids all into church and all this stuff? So they came to church and they wound up getting all in because of us. Uh -huh. So we led their that movement in their life. Wow. So what led to you being able to ordain your dad? <laughs> well, at the time, I was like, well, the ministry was spreading. It was get, it was growing fast. We um, we had gotten a new building and then we started outgrowing that one. I said, I need some elders. I yeah. need some people to help me. And so I started looking at guys who had been rolling with me since they were teenagers in college and we start teaching them and laying hands on them. And I looked at my dad one day and my dad always taught me everything like about life. And I said, well, who else would be the head guy than my dad? And I lay hands on him and put him in all black and made him my head. How up. did that feel for you to be able to do that? That seems very monumental. I had just prayed for my dad that day. In my mind, I just laid hands and prayed for my dad that day. Yeah. That he would just do good things for Jesus. It wasn't like, oh, this it wasn't is, this mm, moment. Laying hands on my dad. No, like, let me pray for my dad so he could do good stuff out here. <laughs> what age were you when that happened? Um, I think I was 23. 23. Yeah. 23 or 24. So when did evangelism be, become a part of your DNA? Or when do you, did you recognize that it was? Well, looking at it now, and I re recognize it with the story we told in the last episode when I was 13, 14, up in the Newark yeah. Projects. That's that's what always drove me. So mm -hmm. talking to people that already knew God never did nothing for me. Yeah. 
it was I was always moved by like other stuff. Mm. Yeah. So I made my church that as much as we were church, we were never church. It was like people would stand up on a Sunday morning. Hey, pastor, I found out uh, we, I heard some lady, some lady's house got burned down around the corner from my house. Okay, what she need? Go around there. This is on a Sunday morning. Go around the house when you get home, see what she need. Let Crystal know. And next week, hey, all right, we, we just raised $3,000 and all the clothes and stuff she need. Take it around there. All right. We didn't invite the people to church. We didn't want them to join. It was like yeah. we were always driven by that. That was our whole 21 years together. We built the old lady's house in the South one time. It was all kind of the crazy, insane. Yeah. Not, just, yeah. So what you were really doing was was something that most churches don't really see. You were able to actually be the church and it wasn't contingent upon you being a member of this church. Mm -mm. You were actually reaching the world through the people that God has given you to, to serve at that time. And that is a beautiful way it to is, say it. Yeah. I didn't know it. See, I don't want anybody to hear this and be like, that guy has the plan. Yeah. I never had a plan. I never knew what I was doing. I just didn't want to see people hurt. That's the, that is my whole ministry philosophy. Yeah. I don't want to see people hurt. So how do we complicate that? Like when I say we, the church in, in, in general, how is it that we take that as the initial thought mm -hmm. and we complicate that? Because we we involve what we can get out of it. As soon as you involve mm -hmm. what you can get out of it, then it's done. It's tainted. It's over. Yeah. That's it. It's that simple. Nothing's complicated. Yeah. The church messed up when we involved ourselves too much in God's work or wanted to take his credit for his work. Mm -hmm. Like the work was there. You just, okay, it's like a glove sitting there and you, I got to clean that side of the table, but the glove sitting here. Now I just put my hand in the glove and, and clean the table. I didn't have to find the glove or find anything to clean. I just had to stick my hand in the glove. Mm -hmm. That's what being used of God is. Don't say, oh, well, that glove, that glove won't look good on me. Let me get my own glove. This one, I like glitter on my fingers. <laughs> no, it's yeah. a brown glove. Love that brown glove because it's the one God had there. Mm -hmm. Instead, no, I want a little glory. I want out twinkle my fingers I want them to shine so we create our own glove that work never gets done this is the church the mm. gold Michael Jackson's glove mm. and we think because it's a glove it's still being you're still being used mm -hmm. because it's a glove yeah but once we've made it about us because we put on Michael Jackson's glove and we entertain people yeah we put on God's glove yeah. and we work gardens yeah no shine so your simplistic approach to ministry simply came because you didn't have this model of church to look at. Mm -mm. You just were doing what felt right for the people and for God. And I you just, facilitated these moments. Yeah, because I just remember Thomas Winters breaking his car breaking down in the middle of a snowstorm when we were little. And he got my sister out the car. He put me on his shoulders. He walked us all the way home. He handed us to our mom, turned around and said, I got to go figure out what's wrong with the car. That's what built my ministry. Mm. That Remembering that. Yeah. This has nothing to do with the anointing, nothing to do with oil running down Aaron's beard. And I'm not saying that that's not good. I'm just saying I saw that in Tom. Yeah. So I didn't have to understand Aaron's beard. I understood Tom's beard. So I don't have to read about Aaron's beard. I lived with, with, with a guy who had a beard and the anointing and his manhood and his love ran down his beard all the time. Mm -hmm. So thank God for Aaron. But I thank God more for Tom. Yeah, that's good. That's good.